Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Imprint Companion. Yes, this is a physical media podcast from Blake Howard, myself, and the great Alexi Toliopoulos, who joins me as always, going through unboxing and just consuming, ravaging, if you will, the delightful Imprint Films catalog. This month, we're talking the April collection, which features kind of three really sexy box sets. The first being Essential Film Noir Collection number four, Tales of Adventure Collection one, and The Haunting of Julia, a worldwide first on Blu-ray. Lex, it is so good to see you again, my friend, surviving just by the tether of your of your brain and your capacity to consume films after a big Sydney Film Festival. It's great to see you. It is great to see you too, Blake. I had a wonderful time at Sydney Film Festival, and I can't believe it. In my downtime, I was able to power through a bunch of these movies. They gave me some sweet relief from running around Sydney watching <laughs> brand new movies. Come back and watch some really fun oddities and classics. I think this is a really strong month. These are three really strong sets, and we've already had some great film noir box sets. It's interesting to see another new thing come into the fold, which is these adventure, Tales of Adventure collections, which are, from now on, I think going to be collecting lots of like classic era, 30s to the 50s, uh, big high adventure fantasy movies. All the ones in this set are a real joy to watch. And there was plenty to discover amongst all of our discs this month. Well, look, let's, um, we're going to focus on probably two to three titles from each of the box sets just to try and get the full coverage of everything that was on offer this month. Um, we might dive in and start with the essential film noir collection for all of these films, 1949 to 53 peak noir. This is classic noir with, uh, Alex, Lexi and I have been lucky enough to be a part of the neo-noir box sets as well. So they're doing really good stuff in this, in this area, but this is a banger box set. Three films we're going to cover here. We're going to cover, um, we're not going to cover the two wonderful Ida Lupino ones, where my lovely and Jennifer, but we are going to cover the kind of Casablanca alternate that is Rope of Sand. We're going to cover the Alan Ladd starring uh, kind of cop adjacent <laughs> um, postal cop investigation, if you like. And then we're going to cover an absolute stone cold banger in 1951's the enforcer blake i can't wait to dive in which one do you want to kick this conversation off with now i just want to kick off let's start with rope of sand like a rope of sand the south african desert snares the reckless men who run a gauntlet of steel to snatch a fabulous treasure diamonds scattered like pebbles across the most closely guarded area on earth where men are as hard as the jewels they battle for, and one woman is even more glittering and desirable. I apologize to Mademoiselle Renault. Oh, please, please. Go away, pig. Get out. Peter Laurie. Claude. Oof, one my guys. Bert oh my God, another guy. Lancaster. Paul. Oh my God. Heinrich. 1949, Rope of Sand. Oh. It is about a, a kind of diamond dealer in, uh, in Mike Davis, played by Burke Lancaster, who comes to this 
African continent and and starts a bit of a a bit of a bargain with the really uh, sadistic police commandant played by Paul Heinrich and gets sort of embroiled in this diamond syndicate mystery. Uh, Susan Renault, played by Corinne Calvet, um, is trying to seduce and betray Mike to try and weasel him out of um, some really precious stones. This was really beautiful classic noir. It's a couple of real different flavors of noir. And I think that one of the things that all of these classic noirs really feel is, and, and I love this phrase about all noir films, it's like it's, it's looking up to the stars from the gutter. And I think that that's one thing that wow. Roper really does, which is that it's, it's, it does have that kind of, I don't know whether it's like that kind of colonialist romance thing of like, we're in an un, you know, an untouched country or we're in a country of opportunity and we're on the, we're on the edge of something, you know, post gold rush and a lot of countries that had a gold rush. It's like, we're going to go find our fortune. Africa feels like this ripe plum, especially for Westerners to come in and make their fortune, make a new life, get away from the life that they've established for themselves or some of those uh, rumors there. And look, this is a really beautiful film. Um, it has that old classic four, three aspect ratio, which is kind of delightful. Mm -hmm. um, and, but man, it, it's just, it, it does have these flashes of absolute brilliance. There's an opening shot in the film where you see one of the local African people being hunted down by these by the commandant's men and they're you know they're sort of torturing him as they're chasing him through the desert and i was just looking at this boundless thing and i, I was trying to research it. i couldn't find exactly where they shot it but i was looking at this and i was going my word it looks like the namibian desert or something like that it's absolutely stunning it then starts to look and resemble like all those classic noirs shot on a film stage somewhere but i just was like man it has it's suspenseful it's kind of, it's, it's got all those beautiful noir tropes, these really loaded, spectacularly photographed bar conversations with people like Peter Laurie talking to freaking mm. Burt Lancaster. It's just sensational. So that was just such a special one for me formally got all those noir tropes, but it did blend, um, I guess some of that stuff that some of that Casablanca energy is one of the first films I've seen that felt like such a, we have what they're having with Casablanca. Wow. And I, I really had a good time with it. Burt Lancaster's doing his best bogey. Um, Peter Laurie, never not amazing. And so that was a real little special one, a nice little suspenseful one to kick off the box. And I was just like, whoa, that is excellent. Oof. Gosh, Blake, I've not had a chance to get to this one yet. But I got to tell you, you've more than sold me on it. I think I'm going to pop it on as soon as we finish recording this podcast. It's really good. It's really, oh, yeah, it's really it. good. Let's, let's quickly, before we get to um, uh, one of the others that I did, the 1950 uh, appointment with danger, let's dive into one that we've both seen. 2,000 human beings who lived among us. You may have passed some of them on the street, even spoken to some. But this is the number of people who are dead. Yes, dead, because they were murdered by the most infamous syndicate of professional killers in the history of crime. A syndicate of assassins that went virtually unchallenged until one man fearlessly defied their whole evil empire. I got something to say to you that you want to hear. If you're smart, you can be a hero. If you're done, you can be dead. Bogart um, is in fine form 
as a crusading district attorney out to convict the head of a vicious murder for hiring. But when his star witness is killed, Berger must race against time to find the evidence he needs to bring down a mob boss. And it's told in a series of flashbacks, the tough as nails crime thriller on the cutting edge of film noir. It was based on actual murder Inc trials. It's directed by Breton Windus who did June bride, Uncredited help from Raoul Walsh, um, mm-hmm. and it's beautifully yeah, shot. Yeah, it's a Raoul Walsh. It's a Raoul Walsh, and it's beautifully shot by the great Robert Burks, who did North by Northwest. It's got uh, Zero Mostel, Ted DeCorsia, and Everett Sloan in there as well, as well as Humphrey Bogart. This one, Lex, oh my God, what an incredible just premise. There is a gang mm-hmm. who murder people for hire. Their weapon of choice, basic insect style, is an ice pick. And it mm-hmm. was, I was on the edge of my seat with this. This is like a, a noir that kind of was bursting out of its 1950s setting. I had such a thrill of a time watching this beautifully filmed, so tense pace was absolutely impeccable. And one thing that I thought when I was watching the enforcer is how the hell does this not have a contemporary remake? It's just outstanding. Absolutely. Blake, you nailed it on your head. When you said bursting out of its 1950s shell, I could not agree more. When I was watching this, I was like, this could be updated immediately. Immediately. This could become like a more ADA-focused episode of Law & Order, anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. It has that kind of rip-from-the-headlines quality that these gangster noirs back in the day really had. It's what kind of contemporizes that genre. Like you said, it's based on the Murder, Inc. trials, uh, which, are, you know, as far as gangster, gangster history goes... Is probably some of the most significant stuff in American uh, crime history, but the way they kind of fictionalize it, the way they kind of put it through the perspective of the, the ADA, this district attorney, I think it feels rather unique in the genre, and it kind of gives it a different perspective because usually these gangster films are cops and robbers, but this is so much about the relationship the law has with gangsterism in a different way, and. I just absolutely love Bogart here. This one had been on my radar for a bit of time, and Same. I was so thrilled to get it in this box set. I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I was also a little annoyed because I had just imported a copy of it because I wanted to watch it so bad before it was announced for this box set. I was like, ah, dang it. But I waited till we got this version. It looks so good. It It is fantastic. Bogart is incredible in it. And I loved Zero Mostel as like this kind of like this kind of put upon stool pigeon type character loved it. Yeah. The, the coolest thing about the enforcer, as far as a storytelling technique is that it uses Bogart's ADA. Who's so fantastic when he's like contending with each of these members of the gang and just chipping away at trying to see the sequencing of this organization, this shadowy organization, how they communicate with one another, how they recruit people, how they dispose of bodies, how, how that, how there are other gangs and maybe it's a broader footprint. And when I was watching it, what was so cool is that you, that, that device that was so, you know, just artfully deployed was a perfect entry point into the motivations of each of the mm-hmm. characters. So they elevate beyond the sort of traditional like henchman modus operandi. You're seeing the lives of these people and the things that motivate them and their family life sometimes and their problems like gambling and whatever the case may be. And I just had such a great time that I, I was just watching and I was, yeah. I, I'm talking to you right now, shaking my head because I was shaking my head going like this. How, how have I not seen this? 
how how has it not been updated? Like in a, in a world where so many mm-hmm. different properties and IP are exploited and plundered, I was just like, this is a gem. And I almost, it's like, yes. now it's to the point, it's like, it's almost sacred. I'm like, fuck, if they did it, they might not do it as well. And I, and I have to credit the mm-hmm. filmmaking because it's just like so bold to go, we are going to give you every character, every motivation, every piece of flawed humanity. It's not just going to be these scenery chewing bad guys it, i just loved it i thought it was a mm-hmm. spectacular movie and i had such a great time watching it and it absolutely rips by it's only an hour and 25 oh, minutes it just... is a quick blast of noir and it is just wonderfully paced i would also say just speaking to it like there's great features on here there is an audio commentary uh, and there's also a film noir specialist, Frank Krutnik, on this movie. Uh, and speaking to those, the whole Raoul Walsh factor of it, um, Raoul Walsh steps in to finish this movie off, not wanting to be credited. Raoul Walsh, when it comes to genre cinema from classic era Hollywood, perhaps I would say he's unmatched. He is such an interesting figure. Uh, he is one of the people that like alongside like Michael Curtiz and stuff of like what like classic characters of directors even look like. He's well known for like a little pencil moustache and an eye patch. He wore an eye patch. Yeah. And the genre movies that he made, I'm going to read you five of them. They're (laughs) all top tier. White Heat, High Sierra, The Roaring Twenties, The Thief of Baghdad, and They Drive by Night. And I would put The Enforcer... Right there. Right alongside those. Right alongside them. Right alongside those. I think that it's a real winner, and I can't wait to watch it again and kind of hopefully listening to this podcast, more people will discover it, more people want to watch it. Uh, Last I checked, and that's why I imported it, it's not on anything (laughs) in Australia. Now it's it's in the incredible Essential Film Noir mm -hmm. Collection 4 box set, but between the time that that was released and the time that we're recording this, so right live as we are now, you can literally go to the imprint films website. They have broken the box set apart and they've made all the titles that we're talking about available as single releases. So if you, if, if you're a bit tight on cash and we totally understand that sometimes you have to be a bit more selective with what you're purchasing, we get it. Go to the imprint films website right now. If you're in Australia or you're in the States and it's run out of print at the other place that you've imported it, jump onto that website and grab it because you just will not regret the enforcer. We'll be right back after this quick break. There's just one more that I want to touch on before we dive into your uh, Tales of Adventure Collection 1, Lex. Um, And that, for me, is Appointment with Danger. the secret files of the United States Post Office Department, Paramount reveals the untold and heroic record of the silent, relentless crime fighters who guard the mails. Appointment with Danger is the story of one of these agents, the department behind him, and the men who faced him, cold-blooded killers planning the biggest mail robbery in postal crime ends. Why don't you wake up? You can't beat the mails, I got a system. So have we. We found the weak link. With your help, it would be foolproof. Stars Alan Ladd, you know, again, we've gone Lancaster, we've gone Humphrey Bogart, we're going Alan Ladd here. 
this is a really interesting one. It really plays like um, a truly kind of classic episodic kind of TV episode. It's about a postal mm-hmm. inspector, a, a rough and tumble maverick postal inspector named Al Goddard, who goes to investigate the murder of a fellow postal agent because um, uh, he's 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 not, he's a very much you know straight laced, straight and narrow person who investigates anyone tampering with the U.S. mail and what he discovers is that there's a potential postal robbery that's going to be happening. And so he ingratiates himself into the, the gang that is going to rob this postal service. He goes undercover and he starts kind of like double dealing. So he's playing as the postal inspector who's investigating the murderers and the people who are about to commit this crime. And then he starts, you know, faking it, if you like to, to kind of um, to break up this heist that's eventually going to happen. It is so fast this movie is just excellent mm-hmm. i love it like like one example i'll give you is that alan lad's um postal inspector al goddard he's investigating what's happening and he does it this is amazing sequence in the film where he goes to the murder site he's looking for a key witness who just happens to be a nun and he starts walking through the town asking people questions did you see someone get on the train here did you see someone do this and he just starts following the scent like a bloodhound like he jumps on a train and goes to another town and then finds a convent where the nuns are and it's just the way that that story is told is so spectacular and the huge one um that i have to shout out um, um shout out because it's phyllis calvert that plays um uh, phyllis calvert that plays the the nun but jan sterling classic 50s actress there is an exchange there and I, and I don't want to spoil it, but I'll just say one of the single greatest exchanges about the quandary wow. and the characterization of a femme fatale is in this movie because she discovers Alan Ladd, Ladd's jig and calls him out on it, but then doesn't wow. necessarily bring it up to her then partner at the time, who's the leader of this gang that he's trying to infiltrate and watching her emotional quandary and how it plays out i was just like this is a scene that if you love film noir it's worth the price of admission for that single scene and that single exchange and already very entertaining and enthralling picture so i mean we've only given you three right and ida lupino one of the greatest female pioneer Mm -hmm. filmmakers of all time is in the other two but where my lovely and jennifer um so very valuable there for those people who are you know love the the filmmaking pioneership of ida lupino but holy heck. Yeah, I love Ida Lupino. Appointment with Danger, The Enforcer, and Back to Rope with Sand, A Rope of Sand. Just top shelf. And uh, and it's so funny that like after four collections, I feel truly like they've really saved like a banger, a banger lineup um for number four. They have like really exceeded themselves. So I was so happy with this collection. Oh yeah, I I would say Blake from the ones that you described the what the enforcer itself I think it might be the best that they've done of their classic essential film noir collections. This if you get one of them, this would be the, the one to get. Yeah, like, if, if, the enforcer is the single pick, but if you're going to get any of the essential film noirs, you want to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird thing to say, but start at 4. Start yeah. at 4, it is it's loaded. It is loaded. You, you know, you, you loaded. Loaded. It, Three absolute stone cold classics plus a ton of features. All of these films were new to me. And um, it's like we, we talk about this a lot with imprint, but I just love 
being educated. And, um, and it's so funny, even as early as today, like I had friends from work trying to convince me in a whole bunch of like TV shows that have got, you know, lengthy series. And I was just like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't dedicate any of my time to that. I've got film noir to watch. I've got, I've got, I've, I just watched three brand new film noirs I'd never seen before, and that's only like three episodes essentially of your stupid show you're recommending me. I've got to watch a whole season of that. I go, no way. I'm going back to film noir in the '50s because that's that's the world I want to live in. So yeah, really terrific, great, sexy box as usual. They do the, they mm-hmm. do great work. But yeah, this is a banger. Lex, let's line you up. Let's let's take a let's let's dip out of the grungy film noir, the classics, the beautiful stark black and white photography. And let's get into some other black and white photography, but this time in the adventures. Blake, I must correct you. These are full blown technicolor, lavish, exoticisms, mystics from the (laughs) Middle East. This is the Tales of Adventure collection, box set number one. When we got these announced, usually we divvy things up. Usually you love to go through the film noirs. I love film noir too, but it is an air of expertise for Mr. Blake Howard. The Tales of Adventure type stuff, when I saw this was coming, this is something that I don't even know how to talk about (laughs) how I love them, why I love them. There's something about like these early era fantasy movies that capture this kind of like bygone uh, exoticism, uh, the realm of like Orientalism and stuff that something draws me to them to want to investigate or want to like watch them and embrace them in a strange way. I guess it probably would be like, you know, they're fascinating cultural documents, aren't they? Like of a time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of what it is. It's like of the time, but also like, you know, if you study film or storytelling in some way, you do study uh, 1001 Nights, The Arabian Nights, all of those stories that are kind of like the origin of narrative. Those are things that you do focus on. And so I think that there's part of me that like really appreciates these odd filmic adaptations of the weird conglomeration that 1001 nights even is because that is you know stories collected from all over the world not just the middle east not just like the orient like it is it is taken from everywhere and they kind of become these weird exoticisms that are explored through film and i have like a, a soft spot for them because i think you know a lot of my filmic introduction was also through indiana jones and yeah. these are the kind of films that those are based on in some kind of way uh or at least the mythology of them it is going to be hard to kind of talk about with these movies blake because <laughs> they are largely based on the same source material <laughs> and i admitted to you just before we went on i had watched three of these movies I know two of them for sure. <laughs> I forgot to log one immediately after watching the letterbox, and I can—I have no idea which one it was. I have no idea. So in this box set, we've got Arabian Nights, Desert Hawk, A Thousand and One Nights, Zarak, and Omar Khayyam. And the first one that I'll talk to you about is from 1942, Arabian Nights. Prepare for every wish to be answered in the dazzling film spectacular Arabian Nights. See the passionate romance, lavish riches, and exotic splendor of this classic fable that was beautifully mounted in Technicolor, says Leonard Bolton, and nominated for four Academy Awards. Wow. Uh, The reason that I put this one on first was because one of its stars is Shabu, who is a very well-known and famous 
uh, actor from this era. He plays Ali Ben Ali in this. He's best known for like The Thief of Baghdad, uh, Black Narcissus, and the 1942 adaptation of The Jungle Book where he plays Mowgli. Um, and he's someone that I've always had like a real interest and fascination in because he's a fantastic actor. Criterion even released like a essential Shabu box set um, uh, through the Eclipse series many, many years ago that I'm a proud owner of. And this is a really interesting adaptation of Arabian Nights. It is just absolutely gorgeous. I kind of can't help but love these derivative pieces of exoticism. I just can't <laughs> help it. And this one being the one that kicked things off, uh, it introduced me to something that I kind of was not totally familiar with uh, from this era, which is that almost all of these movies have Aladdin and Sinbad in them as characters, as side characters. Oh. And in all of them that I watched, they are the comedic relief characters. In this movie, Rosencrantz Sinbad, and Gilderstein. I would ba- basically <laughs> say that. And this is who plays Sinbad in this movie. He's an actor that you might be familiar with. His name is Shemp Howard. I do know Shemp Howard. Do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah. I, I've got, he is in. Wait, I'm going to Google it right now. He is in a very famous comedy group, a very famous trio. Oh, my God. The underrated he stooge, is, Shemp Howard. Yeah. He is one of the three stooges. Uh, <laughs> and there's more than three stooges, but he's a three, one of the three stooges. Um, and I just think it was a real blast. I really, really dug this movie. Uh, I think it probably is my favorite of the three that I saw. Um, but I, I cannot really overstate how much I enjoyed the second one that I wa- watched, which is The Desert Hawk. A dashing hero battles impossible odds in the lavish Technicolor adventure of the Desert Hawk to prevent the evil Prince Marur, George McCready, from gaining more power by marrying uh, Shaharazad, Yvonne de Carlo, the Caliph's daughter. The freedom fighter known as the Desert Hawk, Richard Green, tricks her into marriage, enraged to discover that the Hawk has stolen both Shaharazad and her dowry. Marud plots to have the princess killed and her husband framed for her murder. Learning that Shaharazad escaped her death, only to be sorely to savory, the Hawk soars into action to find a way to defeat Marud and save the royal princess. This one it feels so much like the movie that the movie that uh princess bride is based on yes it's really exciting and it's kind of like got this it's it moves quite fast this one i think it might be the shortest of the batch it's only uh Gosh, it doesn't even have its time. It's watched by so few people on um, on Letterboxd. It only runs for 77 minutes. <laughs> and here, let me tell you this. this There's much more emphasis on the action here. It's like got a great swashbuckling quality. It looks absolutely beautiful. All the sets in these, re- in, in these movies that's are reused I, between each other. They just look what, the same, all these great sets. That's what I can't get over is... There's something that warms my heart, especially about some of these box sets when you see the same film stages, just get a fresh coat of paint and then the next thing is there. And also just the absolute 
grandeur of all of the costumes and the lighting. It's like one of those great things about Hail Caesar, the Coen brothers sort of fifties, you know, nostalgia sort of, you know, acerbic nostalgia trip that that is. It's just like, you see them and you're like, Oh, this is so beautiful. Like remember when there were people and there mm-hmm. were craftsmen and men and women just doing this amazing stuff and you just couldn't fake it. There was no faking any of this. It was just all spectacular. Gosh, so, so special. So special. And this movie has a really fantastic cast, not just like the people that I mentioned. Rock Hudson is in this movie. What? And playing, uh, we have an even better, more exciting Simbad and Aladdin in this one. Uh, Simbad is played by Joe Besser. Do you know who Joe Besser is? No. He's also one of the Three Stooges. <laughs> he's a he's a shorter stinted Three Stooge. He's not in it as long as uh, Shemp was, but playing Aladdin, and this is a great Aladdin, is Jackie Gleason from the no Honeymooners, from the no Hustler, from the Sting. And he is fantastic in this role of, of Aladdin. He kind of brings a spirit of adventure while also capturing the humor that is needs to kind of lighten what is going on. I really, really like the Desert Hawk. Uh, and I have to admit, I don't know what the other one I watched was, but <laughs> I liked it as well. I have no idea. Well, it, this is quite a packed box set. There's some really great vintage features on here. Some really, really great new features on here. Um, in fact, the Arabian Nights, the first disc, is freaking packed with stuff. I'll read you what's on here. There's a great audio commentary. There is an introduction by Turner Classic Movies host Robert Osborne. Uh, Kim Newman has a really great extended interview about Arabian Nights and kind of like what this whole genre really is, unpacking the 1001 Nights of it all. And then... Two more big features that are brand new from 2023. A great video essay by film historian Philippa Berry about uh, Maria Montez, the queen of Technicolor. Think, I really love this box set. I can't wait till we get more in this. I kind of hope they start jumping around and finding other adventure styles, other fantasy things to kind of continue this set. And this one is just like, you know, the exotic like Arabian night style one. Uh, and I hope we get to explore more great swashbucklers. If you love the princess bride, if you love Robin hood, get on this shit. Oh, rocks. I love <laughs> Put that on the box. If you love the princess bride and Robin hood, get on this shit. It rocks. Alexi Toliopoulos. Love it. We've got one final one in the set, um, in the April collection that we were going to cover. Lex has seen it. This is the one that I missed because I was so um, intent on devouring everything in the film noir collection as well as the special features. Let's talk a little bit about, you guys are going to listen to the trailer, but then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about The Haunting of Julia. There's, there's something in her throat. <coughs> Magnus, she can't breathe. My wife is a very sick woman and you know it. Ever since Katie died, she's been completely self-destructive. She's locked herself in that goddamn house and she refuses to listen to reason me or anyone else. Forgive me. Forgive me. The house. Your house. You must leave it. Get out. Julia. Make your mind's empty. Empty. Do you know what murder is, Mrs. Lofton? It is an eternal crime. 
This is so much. I'm going to get it back any way I can. Nothing. I saw nothing. They'll lock you up, you know. Julia. What did you see? The Haunting of Julia from 1977, also known as Full Circle. It is a gothic horror movie. Magnus, played by Kier Delia from 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Julia Lofting, played by Mia Farrow, have a happy marriage until one morning where their daughter, Kate, begins choking. Unsure what to do, Julia attempts a tracheotomy, inadvertently causing Kate's death. Julia's Julia heads to a sanitarium to recover, and when Magnus asks what she came, that asks that she came home, she prefers to buy a new house in London and live alone there. Magnus frets over Julia's sanity, while Julia becomes convinced that her house is haunted by the spirit of a little girl. Wow, Blake, this is a really top tier haunted gothic horror movie. I think it is. One that I didn't really know too much about going in, but seeing this like very lavish box set they'd put together that is packed to the brim of features. It's got a lovely lenticular cover, and it also comes with a full CD soundtrack of the score and a booklet of essays. This film immediately captured my attention as something I was like, oh, I did, hadn't really known about this very much, but now it feels like it's something that should be honoured. Watching the film completely confirmed that to me. It is just so powerfully atmospheric. The way that it captures something so weighty between that blurred line between life and death is quite haunting. And obviously... Mia Farrow is one of the great stars of horror films. Of course, Rosemary's Baby is like the top tier as far as like gothic horror films really go. This is something else. It's in like the same ballpark, playing with some of the similar tools, but entirely different. It feels softer yet more harrowing in what it's kind of capturing. They're kind of haunted by something rather than like, not knowing what's going on yeah. in Rosemary's Baby is quite powerful here. Uh, I I just, I really love this movie. I would give it a huge recommendation to any like horror history nerds because this whole set is like just really, really chock full. It would be one that I recommend like you adding to your cart if you've got like a JB Hi-Fi sale or something and you want to like pack something out with something quite special. Um there is a great interview with uh, the composer, Colin Towns, another interview with the cinematographer, another interview with one of the producers. But what I really, really loved is film historian Kat Ellinger, who is you know we one of the great Kat. special features contributors across it. all of these types of movies. There's a great essay called Motherhood and Madness, Mia Farrow and the Female Gothic that is maybe one of my favorite video essays we've ever had in oh, these imprints be because cool. it just really unpacks like this whole genre through the lens of this one actor who has appeared in a few films in it and their relationship to the genre. It is really fantastic, but also just that extra CD with 20 minutes uh, of that extra CD of the soundtrack that also includes 20 minutes of previously unheard music 
it's something quite special. And I've been like working from home a little bit recently. I've chucked it on. I was going to say, yeah, I, we, I, I know that you've been writing some stuff recently, getting, uh, getting on the tools and, um, a kind of dark gothic um, soundtrack of someone being haunted and going mad would absolutely suit some of the stuff that you've probably been writing. Let me tell you, Blake, it has suited it really well. Uh, This is a really, really nice box set. Really, really nice. As far as like those single film box sets go, this one's special. I I would recommend it. It, it, The price point might be a little too much if you're going in on a blind buy, uh, but... When you see that price go down, if you see in a sale, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. If you're into that kind of like 1960s, 1970s era uh, goth horror stuff, uh, it's it's quite cool. Quite a cool movie. Love that. Lex, thank you so much for that unbelievable recommend. I'm going to dive into that as soon as I can because I have that amazing new and exclusive features across the board. Cinematographers, producers, the authors, composers, and director um, uh, commentaries on their unbelievable lineup. Um, This was a surprisingly really good one. We can't wait to get back to you guys and talk to you more about the upcoming releases from imprint. We will be back very soon. I've got a very special episode, um, a sort of imprint adjacent uh, episode that I'm going to do with a great friend of the show, Maria Lewis talking Roland Emmerich Stargate on Blu-ray for the first yeah. time. That'll be coming up very soon. And Lex, I'm going to tell you um, uh, something that I haven't been able to reveal as yet. The film focus on Jennifer Connelly in the August release is going to be featuring essays from yours truly about one Jennifer wow. Connelly. Yes. A couple of essays on her. So we'll talk about that there, but I just wanted to give you guys the skinny, just to shout it out to the people who listen to this show and follow us that a devastatingly underrated career is that one of Jennifer Connelly. There's a couple mm-hmm. of great films in this box set. You know, there's um, um, obviously you've got Waking the Dead um, with her and Star Billy Crudup, another movie that they get to hook up in and uh, they're in Inventing the Abbots together. You've got Career Opportunities, which was like a video store classic. Um, Crazy written, movie. Written mm-hmm. by John Hughes. Um, and uh, the lauded terrific really in her purple patch of a sort of uh, academy award nominated or adjacent films house of sand and frog from 2003 which is a terrific movie huge is it going to be in there and i've gotten to write about not only house of sand and frog but her career one jennifer connelly so i'm really excited to announce that to all of you guys here but lex this has been another imprint companion mate it's great seeing you is there anything that you want to plug and shout out besides our great stuff coming up uh, all I would promote at the moment is uh, you can check out Finding Jesus, uh, the YouTube series I made with Cameron James. Uh, and also on the Total Reboot feed, I want to release something fairly soon. I have been absent from podcasting a little bit recently, but what I want to do is just do a couple of episodes talking about the best films of the year so far. Now that we're at that halfway point, I've had my first major film festival of the year. We've been able to catch up with a bunch of stuff. I'm going to put some things on your radar that you might not have seen yet and talk about some films that you've already loved this year so far. Excellent. Love to hear it. Can't wait for more Total Reboot in any capacity. Guys, you can listen to everything that's happening over at One Heat Minute Productions. We've just finished up Pod Thomas Anderson. I'm particularly proud of that. There, If you're interested for as little as a dollar a month, you can head over to our Patreon. Ethan Warren, the, the writer and host of that show, and I break down the entire series, talk about some behind-the-scenes stuff, and give away some exclusive content on that on a brand-new episode coming up very soon. 
and a bunch of our new decade project things. Um, and one of them I'm going to get Lex to do, which is we're currently, because it's 2023, diving through the 2013 movies, recently done Iron Man 3 and uh, Prisoners with Garth Franklin and Stu Coote. I've got Pain and Gain coming up very soon with the great action aficionado and Michael Bayhead, Ooh. Brandon Strasnick. So that's going to be super fun. Um, we've got Gravity coming up yeah. with the boys from the B-Side podcast, Connor um, and and Dan. So really looking forward to that. So we're diving through the 2013 backlog um, and uh, lots more Miami Nice and all those other things that we're doing. And of course, now that Pod Thomas Anderson has concluded, I'll finally be sitting down to conclude dive my head into the series podcaster and commander to get the rest of those episodes to you because it is now ready to finally properly set sail in a consistent manner so i'm excited to share that with you but this has been another imprint companion lex and i'll be back soon to talk to you more about the physical media hold on to it clutch it collect it build shelves and yes, shrines yes, to yes. it because these damn streamers they're going to try and take it away and as our friend Tom Cruise uh -huh. says in the upcoming Mission Impossible, I will always fight for cinema and Lex and I will always fight for physical media. To me, it is cinema. <laughs> <laughs>